Remember, history lives on through the stories we tell. I'm Peter, and this is Who Died Today, the podcast that explores the lives of famous individuals on the day they passed away. Today we're delving into the extraordinary life of Otto Frank, a German businessman and the father of Anne Frank. Today marks the 43rd anniversary of his death. So without any further ado, let's dive into the early life of Otto Frank. Part 1. Early Life and Family, 1889-1933 Otto Heinrich Frank was born in the bustling city of Frankfurt, Germany, during a time when the city was undergoing significant transformations. The youngest of four children, he was brought up by a liberal Jewish family that valued education, culture, and a deep sense of community. The Franks were known for their intellect and affluence, and they were deeply integrated into Frankfurt's vibrant societal fabric. As Otto grew, he was instilled with a strong sense of responsibility and the values of his Jewish heritage. His early education was traditional, combined with the liberal mindset of his family, which valued both religion and modernity. This balance gave Otto a unique perspective, shaping his worldview and character. The global stage of the early 20th century was fraught with tensions as World War I broke out in 1914. Otto felt the call to serve his nation. He joined the German army and served in the frontline trenches, facing the harrowing realities of warfare. Despite the grim circumstances, his valor on the battlefield did not go unnoticed. Otto was honored for his bravery and service, a testament to his dedication for his country. Post-war Germany was a nation in transition, with its economy, politics, and social fabric undergoing significant upheavals. With his strong sense of duty and astute business acumen, Otto decided to venture into the family banking business. This experience provided him with valuable insights into the world of finance and commerce, and after a few years, he felt the urge to branch out. Establishing his own firm, Otto's entrepreneurial spirit shone through and he quickly garnered a reputation as a successful and principled businessman. Amidst his growing professional responsibilities, Otto's personal life flourished. In 1925, he met and married Edith Hollander, a woman whose values and background resonated with his own. The couple settled in Frankfurt, and in quick succession their family grew with the births of their two daughters, Margot in 1926 and Anne in 1929. The Frank household was filled with love, laughter, and the pursuit of knowledge. The family enjoyed outings, cultural activities, and shared a tight-knit bond with their extended family and the larger Jewish community. However, as the 1920s gave way to the 1930s, the political landscape in Germany began to shift dramatically. The economic hardships of the Weimar Republic provided fertile ground for extremist ideologies. The rise of Adolf Hitler and his anti-Semitic Nazi party began to cast a growing shadow over the German Jewish community, including the Franks. Public sentiment against Jews intensified and discriminatory laws started taking shape, sowing the seeds of challenges and trials that the Frank family would face in the years to come. Part 2. Emigration and Hiding 1933 to 1944. The undercurrent of danger emanating from Hitler's regime was palpable by 1933. Otto Frank, always forward-thinking and deeply protective of his family, 
recognized that remaining in Germany would pose severe risk to their safety. With hope and resilience, he made the difficult decision to leave behind the world he knew and emigrated to Amsterdam in the Netherlands. The Dutch capital, with its rich history of tolerance and a thriving Jewish community, promised a fresh start. Upon their arrival, the Franks were met with the challenges that every immigrant faces, adapting to a new culture, language, and environment. But Otto, with his characteristic determination, quickly laid down roots. He channeled his entrepreneurial spirit to establish a new business, Opecta, which specialized in the production and sale of spice and pectin, ingredients essential for jam making. His business acumen ensured that the company gained traction and the family started rebuilding their lives in this new homeland. Amsterdam offered a welcome respite for the Frank family. Margot and Anne were enrolled in local schools and began forming new friendships while Otto and Edith connected with the city's Jewish community. For a few years, it seemed as if the storm clouds gathering over Europe might spare the Franks and their adopted city. However, this sense of security was short-lived. In May 1940, the Nazis invaded the Netherlands, swiftly occupying the country. Amsterdam's vibrant Jewish community, including the Franks, found themselves ensnared in the same oppressive anti-Semitic policies that they had fled in Germany. Public life for Jews became severely restricted, they were required to wear yellow star badges, faced curfews, were banned from most public places, and children were segregated in schools. By 1942, the situation had deteriorated further. The Nazis began mass deportations of Jews from the Netherlands to concentration camps. Otto, with an acute understanding of the grave peril they faced, orchestrated a plan for his family to go into hiding. Drawing on his resources and connections, he prepared a concealed living space behind his office at Prinzengratsch 263. This secret annex, accessible only by a hidden door behind a movable bookcase, would be the Frank family sanctuary for the next two years. On July 6th of 1942, the Frank family moved into this hiding place. They were later joined by the Van Pels family and a dentist named Fritz Pepper. Together, these eight people navigated the challenges of life in hiding, limited space, scarcity of food, and the constant fear of discovery. Otto, always a pillar of strength, often served as the mediator, ensuring harmony and unity amongst the group. Otto's trusted employees, including Miep Geis, Johannes Kleiman, Victor Krugler, and Bup Vuskigl, played pivotal roles during this period. Risking their lives, they provided the hidden family with food, supplies, books, and crucially, news from the outside world. This connection to the external environment was essential for the group's morale and sanity. During these years, Otto's youngest daughter, Anne, penned her thoughts, observations, and experiences in a diary. Otto, aware of its significance, encouraged her writing. This diary would later become one of the most influential books in world literature, The Diary of Anne Frank. However, the safety of the secret annex came to a tragic end in August of 1944, when an anonymous tip led to their discovery by the Gestapo. The haven that Otto had meticulously crafted for his family was breached, leading to their arrest and subsequent deportation to the concentration camps. This marked the beginning of another harrowing chapter in Otto Frank's life.
Part 3, Arrest and Concentration Camps, 1944-1945 August 4, 1944 is a date that Otto Frank would forever remember as one of the darkest moments of his life. After two years of successfully evading the Nazis in their hidden annex, an anonymous informant betrayed the Franks and their fellow hideaways. The Gestapo, led by SS Obenfrascher Karl Slebrauer, raided the secret annex, apprehending the eight hidden Jews and their two helpers. The atmosphere was tense and fraught with dread as Otto, Edith, Margot, and Anne, along with the others, were first taken to the Gestapo headquarters in Amsterdam. After a brief incarceration there, they were transferred to the Westerbrook Transit Camp, a holding point for Jews awaiting deportation to the concentration camps in Eastern Europe. For Otto, the ordeal was agonizing, not just because of his own fate, but more so because of the uncertainty and fear of his family. In early September of 1944, the final call came. The Frank family, along with thousands of others from Westerbrook, were herded into cattle cars beginning the arduous and dehumanizing journey to Auschwitz. Packed with little to no space to move, they endured hunger, thirst, and a choking fear. After several days, they arrived in Auschwitz-Birkenau, the largest and most infamous of the Nazi extermination camps. Upon arrival, the notorious selection process began. Families were torn apart with men separated from women and children. Otto was forcibly separated from Edith, Margot, and Anne, a heart-wrenching moment that haunted him. He found himself amidst many other men, many of whom were selected for forced labor, while others deemed unfit were sent directly to the gas chambers. For Otto, the conditions in Auschwitz were hellish. He faced grueling hard labor, inadequate nutrition, rampant disease, and the constant terror of arbitrary executions or selections. The daily roll calls, exposure to the elements, and the emotional torment of not knowing the fate of his family took a massive toll on him. However, despite the brutal conditions and the pervasive aura of death, Otto managed to cling to life. He found solace in friendships formed with fellow inmates, drawing strength from the shared experiences and the mutual will to survive. As the war neared its end and the Allies advanced, the Nazis initiated the forced death marches moving inmates to other locations to avoid the camp's liberation. In January of 1945, Auschwitz was evacuated. Otto was among those who were forced into these punishing marches, only to be relocated to another camp, Auschwitz III, which is also known as Manowitz or Buna. His time in Manowitz was short-lived, for the Allies continued their advance. Otto, along with other inmates, was freed by the Soviet Red Army at the end of January 1945. The nightmare of the concentration camps was over, but the scars, both emotional and physical, would remain. As Otto regained his freedom, his thoughts immediately turned to his family, and he began the agonizing wait and search for news of their fate. Part 4 Loss and Anne's Diary, 1945-1947 Emerging from the horrors of Auschwitz, Otto Frank's initial days of freedom were consumed with a singular focus, the desperate hope of being reunited with his family. He made his way back to the Netherlands, fueled by the hope that Edith, Margot, and Anne had also survived. Tragically, Otto's hopes were shattered one by one. 
First, he learned of Edith's death in Auschwitz due to starvation and the brutal conditions. Then came even more heart-wrenching news that both Margot and Anne had succumbed to typhus in Bergen-Belsen just a few weeks before the camp's liberation. The weight of this loss was nearly unbearable for Otto. He was the sole survivor of his family, and the void they left behind was profound. Struggling with his grief, he returned to Amsterdam and was taken in by Meep Ease and her husband Jan. Meep had been instrumental in helping the Franks during their time in hiding and had been one of the first to discover the ransacked secret annex after the family's arrest. It was also her who handed Otto Anne's diary, which she had found scattered on the floor of the annex after the Gestapo raid. She had kept the diary, hoping to return it to Anne after the war. For Otto, the diary was a powerful connection to his lost daughter. Reading through its pages, he was deeply moved by Anne's vivid descriptions, her reflections on human nature, her dreams, and her profound insights into their life in hiding. Anne's writings were not just an account of their life in the annex, they were a testament to her spirit, intelligence, and the resilience of the human heart in the face of unimaginable adversity. Moved by the depth and maturity of Anne's words, Otto shared the diary with a few close friends and family. They were equally captivated by Anne's narrative and recognized its historical significance. Many urged Otto to consider publishing it. The world needed to know the story of Anne Frank, a teenage girl who, despite the darkness surrounding her, believed in the inherent good in people. Otto faced a dilemma. The diary was deeply personal, containing Anne's private thoughts and feelings. Yet, he also recognized its broader value as a document bearing witness to the Holocaust's atrocities and the indomitable human spirit. With a heavy heart, but with conviction that Anne's voice deserved to be heard, he decided to seek a publisher. Finding a publisher, however, was not straightforward. The immediate post-war period was filled with numerous accounts of wartime experiences, and several publishers initially declined. However, Otto's persistence paid off. In 1947, the Dutch publisher Contact agreed to publish the diary. Otto, respecting Anne's aspirations to be a writer, named it Het Akrohis, The Secret Annex. The book was an immediate success in the Netherlands, and it soon drew international attention. Anne's diary would go on to be translated into numerous languages and become one of the most widely read books in the world. For Otto, ensuring that Anne's voice was heard became a lifelong mission. While the pain of his family's loss never diminished, he found purpose in preserving and sharing Anne's legacy with the world. Part 5 Anne Frank Foundation and Latter Years, 1947 to 1980. The success of Anne Frank, The Diary of a Young Girl, resonated globally with its harrowing depiction of life hiding from the Nazi regime. Combined with the raw emotional journey of a young girl coming of age, with Anne's story touching hearts worldwide, Otto Frank became a guardian of her legacy, ensuring that her voice continued to echo and enlighten. The secret annex in Amsterdam, where the Frank family had hidden, faced the threat of demolition in the mid-1950s. Recognizing the historical and emotional significance of the building, Otto collaborated with friends, activists, and supporters to preserve it. Their efforts culminated in the establishment of the Anne Frank Foundation in 1957. Otto's vision was clear. 
He wanted the annex to stand as a somber reminder of the atrocities of the Holocaust and the lives lost. Moreover, he believed it could serve as a beacon of tolerance, human rights, and understanding. By 1960, their efforts bore fruit. The annex was transformed into the Anne Frank House, a museum dedicated to the memory of Anne Frank and all the victims of the Holocaust. Over time, the museum incorporated multimedia exhibits, personal artifacts, and poignant presentations, immersing visitors in the reality of those terrifying years. Under Otto's guidance, the museum did not just dwell on the past, but actively promoted values of mutual respect, combating prejudice, and discrimination in all forms. Beyond his work with the Anne Frank House, Otto Frank became a spokesperson for the Holocaust survivors. He regularly corresponded with young readers of Anne's diary from all over the world, answering their questions, sharing his memories, and emphasizing the importance of tolerance and understanding in a post-war world. Otto's dedication to education went beyond letters. He traveled, giving talks, attending seminars, and participating in events that promoted Holocaust education and awareness. His personal life was marked with both solace and sorrow. In 1953, Otto remarried Elfriede Fritzi Geringer, a fellow Holocaust survivor and Auschwitz survivor, a widow, became his companion in life. Both having lost their families to the Holocaust, they found comfort and understanding in each other. Fritzi supported Otto wholeheartedly in his mission to continue Anne's legacy and played an integral role in the activities of the Anne Frank Foundation. As the years passed, Otto's health began to decline, but his commitment to Anne's memory remained unwavering. On August 19, 1980, Otto Frank passed away in Switzerland. He was 91 years old. While he faced the unimaginable losses in his lifetime, Otto's enduring legacy is one of resilience, remembrance, and education. Through his tireless efforts, Anne's diary became more than a book. It became a beacon of hope and a call for a world built on understanding and peace. While Otto Frank's physical presence faded with his passing in 1980, his spiritual and ideological legacy remains as steadfast as ever. The father, who had once protected and loved his young daughter in the confines of a secret annex, had ensured that her voice would never be silent, even decades after their tragic separation. The Anne Frank House, nestled in the heart of Amsterdam, became more than just a museum after Otto's death. It emerged as a global symbol of resilience against oppression and the enduring human spirit. Every year, thousands of visitors walk through its narrow corridors and dimly lit rooms each step echoing the memories of Anne, her family, and the countless others who suffered during the Holocaust. The museum's success and continual expansion have been in no small part attributed to the groundwork laid by Otto. His vision ensured that visitors didn't just see a site of his historical significance, but felt the weight and emotion of the narratives contained within its walls. But Otto's influence wasn't limited to brick and mortar. Anne's diary has been translated into over 70 languages, with over 30 million copies sold worldwide. Schools across continents include it in their curriculum, ensuring that the lessons of the past are imparted for the future. It's here that Otto's commitment shines brightest. He had always believed that the diary wasn't just a recounting of events, but a manual for tolerance, understanding, and hope. As generations of readers pour over Anne's words, Otto's mission to educate and inspire continues unabated.
In a world grappling with divisions, prejudice, and historical amnesia, Otto Frank's legacy serves as a beacon. His life and work are reminders that memories, no matter how painful, must be preserved, for they hold the lessons for a more inclusive and compassionate tomorrow. And that brings us to the end of today's episode on Otto Frank. Anne Frank's father, and also the man who is responsible for bringing her legacy to the forefront of education. He's also who died today, August 19th. Additionally, if you enjoyed today's episode and want a visual of what Otto Frank looked like, please follow our Instagram, who period died period today. Lastly, make sure to rate us wherever you are listening and share with friends and family. Join us next time on Who Died Today as we explore the life of another remarkable individual who made a lasting and indelible mark on history. I'm your host, Peter, and thank you for listening.